So it goes back to we have to have the self-awareness to say the difference between investment rate of return versus the investor rate of return. It all comes down to, is this the right fit for you? And is this the best aligned with where, again, going back to their ROR statement, is this the best aligned with where you want to go? What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Caleb Gilliams from Better Wealth. Caleb is a super impressive guy. He's done so many awesome things. We dive into his story a bit, but just to give you a little quick summary, he's a young guy. He became the manager of the investment division of a bank at 19 years old. And since then, he's gone on to start a seven-figure, soon-to-be eight-figure business that helps people build their wealth in all 50 states. And we dive into lessons that he's learned along the way, uh, strategies that he used to be such a high performer, things that he he does to help people build their wealth and really understand their why in building their wealth, building their passive income. Because I, I think most of us really, when we think about or we're asked, you know, why do you invest? What's your end goal? Our first answer is not our real answer, right? We need to keep digging beyond that. And we talk about that a bit today. We talk about some of the wealth building strategies he's learned along the way. We talk about the book that he wrote and so much more. There's a lot to learn in here. He's a very high performing guy and uh, is really impressive. It's great to have him on the show and, and get to know him a bit and all of his fantastic experience. You're going to learn a lot today about wealth building and just working with others and performing at a high level. Very impressive stuff. If you enjoy the show, please take a quick second, go to your favorite podcast app, look it up, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. You can build your passive wealth along with us and escape Wall Street and invest in Main Street. If you do enjoy the show, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, Leave us a rating and review. Five stars if you don't mind. Much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple ecosystem, which means more people get eyes on the show. And plus, it helps give me a great feeling. I read and see every single one of your comments, and I appreciate it so, so much. And, and uh, you know, it's great to, great to see that there are folks out there learning from these interviews with our fantastically experienced guests. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I love helping others build their wealth. I love learning from high performers like Caleb, and that's what we're doing today. Without any further ado, here we go with Caleb Gilliams from Better Wealth. Caleb, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure being here, man. Hey, it's great to talk with you. You have a fascinating, interesting, and impressive background and a really cool business and all that great stuff we're going to dive into here. For our listeners, can you uh, tell us about you know your story and how you got to where where you are now? I mean, it's really incredible, the things that you've done. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on the show. What's interesting is when people see me, I, I think there's a lot of confusion because um, I run a company called Better Wealth. We have clients in all 50 states. We have a team of 15 people. We do financial coaching. We obviously we do the financial advising as well. But I look literally like I'm 15 years old. And so people are very much like taken back and they go, how, how do I learn from someone who's who's uh, barely can drive a car, you know? And so I, I always have to give a little bit of backstory as I, I was the oldest of six kids had an incredible upbringing, but my parents were not in the business. My dad was in the medical field. My mom actually stayed home and homeschooled us. 
I worked a couple jobs, one, one being I actually worked at a chicken farm. And I'll just say I have an appreciation for a chicken sandwich uh, more than the average. And I started making money. And that's when I started getting turned on to these books and these concepts and, you know, investing. And I just, I, I remember reading the book, Good to Great, and writing down at like the age of 15, like whatever I do, I want to, I want to be a part or run a company that helps people with money. That's like Fortune 500. I didn't even know what that meant, but I'm like, I want I feel like that would have been be successful kind of deal. You know, that would be awesome. And so I got a job at a bank when I was 17 years old through a connection. And I, I was reading Think and Grow Rich at the time. And I, I just had this idea of like, okay, everyone, including my parents are saying, get a good job and save up money. But I realized that my greatest asset was actually my ability to create value in the world. And at 17 years old, I had very little value to offer. Like to just be 100% frank, I was fun to talk to and I was trustworthy and I had high integrity. Other than that, not much going on, okay? So <laughs> I was at an, an institution, this is really important for people to get. Working at the bank, I made $8 an hour and I, I literally made that wage until I left. Now that might be shocking because of what the things that I did at the bank, but I started in the teller line. I was homeschooled, I was doing college part-time. And then when I started going to college full-time, we had uh, the University of Stevens Point was where we were growing up. That's the university that I went to. I worked pretty much full-time there. I, I lived at home to save money. And I, and I did a little bit of marketing. I worked in a little bit in our loan department. I worked a little bit in our investment department as the investment advisor. And I'm just, I literally, HR told me how many hours I had to work. I would punch in. I hated the hourly work. <laughs> and then I would just, I would work overtime without getting paid because I could care less about the money I was making. I very much cared about learning. And I was literally in an institution that could teach me so much about money. And so that carry on, like, going to school, I'm becoming very well loved at the bank, I'm, you know, definitely a life giving person, because I'm always trying to help and trying to serve people. And even as a teller, I'm usually the first one at the bank and the last one to leave, I would talk, call the CEO on a weekend talking about how we could grow the bank and all these things. This is just very much how I was wired. The guy that was running our bank's investment department took another job. And I was 19 years old. And I ended up taking over the whole bank's investment department at the ripe old age of 19. Now, to say I was underqualified would be like the biggest, <laughs> biggest, uh, I don't know, like joke <laughs> uh, of the century. I, I didn't know anything that I was talking about. But, but one thing that I did know is I was humble, I was hungry, and I also very much sought to understand people and what they really wanted. I, I watched a video by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, and I realized that so many people, when they looked at money, they don't know, like everyone's talking about what they should do, products, but no one's taking the time. Nobody's taking the time to actually realize, like ask the question, what do you really want? And then, so usually when there's a transition, especially so dramatic, like what we experienced at the bank, you would have tons of people leave. We had nobody leave because what, what my, my vision and mission was, was how do I make people feel understood? And then how do I get them the result that they want? And so that, that was a journey I learned a ton through that that journey of just like going out, seeking other mentors, having a mission of helping people see and reach their highest potential and sharing that with people. At 19 years old, I'm like convicted about the mission that I have in my life. And I started realizing like, there's some things about money that I'm learning because I asked what people wanted. And then I went out to try to get them a result. And I realized that the typical way of, of thinking about money wasn't always the right solution. Like people have no result that we are getting. We just do it because that's what we've been told. And what's interesting is the banks and, and the financial institutions are doing the exact opposite than what they're telling us to do. 
And so I just, I learned a lot. We can talk about my book if you'd like. I uh, end up learning a lot of things about life insurance, which is kind of ironic because I, going into understanding how to do money and I did option trading before I worked at the bank, like I, I thought I knew everything there was to know about money and I hated life insurance. And now I wrote a book on life insurance and our company does all types of things. But I would say a, a reason a lot of people bring me in to speak is to talk about what I call the and asset strategy. Some people call it infinite banking, cash flow banking. It's just a way to control money and and use dollars in things like real estate, your business, or whatever, and create but all, that also have tax advantages. And I I became very like I became an expert in that and ended up writing a book in that journey because I was just so uh, frustrated with the the so many people out there wrote books to make themselves look good or wrote books so complicated that you couldn't figure out what they were even saying. And so I'm like, okay, maybe my learning disability, which I didn't even at, sh share with, but I have a hard time reading. But I'm like, maybe if I could simplify this in a way for me to understand, it would like the, the average American could understand this. And so that book definitely uh, created a lot of opportunities. And in that process, when I was 21 years old, I ended up leaving the bank, starting my own company, Better Wealth. And we took it from a, below the basement of a Papa John's building to now we are in all 50 states and and have a team and we're just continuing to show up every day with the mission of helping people see their highest potential. And I would say unlocking intentional living is the metric that we want. And so I, I'm sorry if that's long-winded, but I wanted to give you and your audience a little bit of context in who I am. No, I certainly appreciate that. I mean, we're here to to listen to what you have to say. So it's all about it's all about that side of the conversation. We're trying to listen to your ideas. And you mentioned something in there that that I'd really like to drill in on and I hadn't expected this to come up, but you mentioned um, helping people get what they want with their money. And the, the way I kind of uh, receive that uh, in my mind, right? I mean, Steve Jobs said they weren't giving people, Apple wasn't giving people the phone they wanted because they didn't know they wanted the iPhone. But when it comes to money, I have, you know, I think we maybe all think we know what we want. I mean, can you give us some insight on what yeah. that idea means to you, help, helping people get what they want. I mean, helping people learn what they want or just asking yeah, the question. That's good. Yeah, so one of my favorite quotes is by Alice in Wonderland when she's at the fork in the road and the cat asks her where, where she wants to go and she says she doesn't know. Cat says something very profound. Everyone write this down. If you don't know where you want to go, any road will get you there. You're 100% right. Majority of people have no idea what they actually want, but part of the, part of the process is you can take them through a journey that can actually start highlighting what's important to them. Because majority of the time, most people don't have a mission statement on their wall, okay? And and so when you ask questions like, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? Get really clear. And they'll, they'll say something like travel, da, da, da. And then you get, why is that important? Like, what is the most important things in your life? Like, what I want to know, like, what would this person be doing if they didn't have to worry about all this other stuff? Because you're right, they don't know what they want. They don't know if like they should do this investment or that. That's why they're working with you. If they if they were 100% sure on what they wanted, they wouldn't be working with you. But what we have to be able to do is take a step back and say, what does financial success look like for you? And then highlight that and that has to be the metric. So many times in the financial service space, we make our metric like cash flow or growth, or retirement income, the metric. But really we should take that expertise and say, is that helpful to help you live the life that you want? And, and so many people, there's a gap between where the client wants and what your agenda is. And we wonder why we have such a hard time working with people. It's because we're not speaking to them. So 
that's a great question. And some people don't, and it's a journey. But we always we we talk about ROR statement. And the first question that our team asks is we get really clear on what your ROR statement is. And the reason we use ROR is Wall Street says ROR is rate of return. That's the metric that everyone cares about. Mm -hmm. ROR for us is return on result. What result do you want and how are we going to get that? Mm, okay. Okay. Now you mentioned um, the goals, right? When people say, hey, I would travel. And the way I always receive that, you know, personally, I'm just trying to reflect on that and how I feel about if I said I would travel if I had all the money I needed. It's not really true. I mean, I would travel a month, maybe two months out of the year, but most of the time, I mean, I want to be at home. I want to be around, you know, my friends, my family, things like that. I wouldn't be out gallivanting all the time. And I, I think most people are probably like that. And when you get that, that first answer of, Hey, I would travel. Do you drill deeper and say, you know, what does that really mean? Do you just want time freedom, location freedom, or like how deep do you really go in understanding like the why behind the, yeah, I would travel. I think it's. I think. I think it's a healthy balance. Not like totally scare people on the first meeting, and it's also being like, okay, so what about travel? What about that? Really, do you really love? And you get down to travel is just that thing that they said because they don't really they haven't put much thought into it. One of my favorite quotes is the value of your life is always measured by how much of it was given away. And so I think at the end of the day, and this is not me pushing my spiritual agenda on anyone. I just believe that true fulfillment comes in giving. I really believe that it might be giving to your kids, it might be giving to the people that you serve at work, it might be giving in the ministries that you serve, regardless of what that is. I believe that that is true fulfillment. And so what, and, and again, I want to know what's, what's actually going on under the surface. And a lot of times when people say travel, it's usually that they have a lack of freedom in their life and travel is the best way to express the freedom and control that they want to be able to choose what they do, when they do it, how they do it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, while we have you, I want to make sure this might sound like a, a hard uh, topic shift, but while we have you, I want to address some of your um, dealings or, or business or whatever you're doing in the real estate syndication space. You know, and on this show, we talk about syndication a lot for uh, the passive investor and sharing those lessons from the inside of the business. And, you know, if you're uh, willing to dive into it. I'd love to learn like how you're working with syndicators to, you know, bring them these, uh, lessons that you've learned over time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two ways that we work with people. Obviously there's the holistic, let's get your whole financial life on a model. It's the a model that I'm referencing is a cash flow ratio model where money is actually very simple. And I'm, I'm going to like tell you my money philosophy in just, just one second. All right. It's money comes in, which is called cash flow, And that's the lifeblood that keeps the engine going. And then money can only do two things after that. It's either consumed, spent. I don't care if it's on haircuts, lattes, taxes, your kid's education. Once you lose a dollar, it's gone forever. Or it's saved and controlled to hopefully be reinvested into something. I, 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 my definition of an asset is something that helps you live more intentionally, um, but into something that helps you live more intentionally, more free, whatever your metric is. And so when we work with clients, we look at three things. We look at your cash flow. And we look at where it is now and we look at what, how areas that we can optimize that. Can you make more money? Just we, we just start gaining understanding of like, how long is this cash flow going to go? There's this thing called retirement. Are you going to continue to work? We just seek to understand there. Then, then we can literally model out what, what are you consuming? What's, what's it costing you to live your life? A lot of people are like, I spend $5,000 a month. Well, okay, but 
taxes and all this other stuff that you're not accounting for, your your lifestyle actually it's 120,000. You're spent you're consuming $10,000 because of other things that you're not even accounting for. So we we model that out and then we show people what they're currently doing with the assets, their potential real estate whatever, what look we literally show them a two-line graph. People overcomplicate money. We show them a two-line graph of like this is what this is what you want to happen and this is what does happen. <laughs> And, and then we say, there's really three ways to help somebody make more money, spend less, or have better strategies to have greater cash flow now in the future. What's interesting is so many people get caught up on metrics like compound growth and all this stuff. Compound interest is just a form of future cash flow. That's what it is. Cash flow is everything. And when people understand how to measure everything in cash flow, we won't get caught up in things like rate of return and all this, which by the way, rate of return is very important. It's a great metric when you're comparing like asset with like asset, but you can't spend a rate of return. And so many people get so, they put the rosy colored glasses on, on things that really don't make a difference in their life. So with that money philosophy, uh, it's longer than a second, I apologize, but it's like, we make it so complicated. So those, those are the, that's where we have the conversation with people. My book, The And Asset, this is on a special strategy. It's a tactic on using life insurance. Now, like a lot of people like mentioned before, like have a lot of it when you when you use life insurance. And I look at it like a bad investment as a like inferior place to put your money. And I realize that this is not an investment. The reason it, my book is called the and asset is is I had like this epiphany of like, oh, if you actually know what's going on, you can put your money in a contract that allows your money to get all these benefits long-term, tax-free growth and all this, which is which is okay. But if you compared it to an investment, it would still underperform even with the tax benefits. But then the epiphany that I had is you don't have to choose anymore because of of like this thing called leverage. And in my book, I call controlled compounding. Your it's life insurance when set up and used properly is one of the best paper assets where you can have full control over your capital, continue to have it grow with a lot of advantages, but that capital can be invested in things like yourself your your business, real estate, you could put it into crypto, you could put it into whatever you wanted. And the idea of having a dollar do more than one job is really what the banks and what successful people do through leverage. It's how do you get how do you get your money to have the most amount of impact outcome result? And that and so all this has kind of come full circle. And so 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 some people reach out to us in real estate syndication or whatever and they just want to have a better place to store their capital and they just want the and asset. And so we just set up a very specialized, we call it overfunded in our industry. We want the least amount of insurance and the most amount of cash because the only reason this is an insurance contract is some of the many benefits that come with that. But what we really are, what we really want is high cash so that we can tap into to do other things and get other assets. And a lot of people work with us just for for that. And then some people want it, want the whole coaching and say like, I don't, I don't know if this, if I should even do real estate syndication, is there a way for me to start measuring every financial decision? And so we have really the, the way to help those both type of people. Hmm, okay. So, you know, when folks come to you asking about, I don't know whether I should do real estate syndication or not, I, I want to look at the no column. What are, what are like typical reasons you would conclude that, no, this is not the right fit for you. You should go do something else. Yeah. Well, and very rarely are we saying no to like if real estate syndication is set up properly, it's probably one of the best things that you can do. And trust me, he didn't pay me to say this. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's like, it, it's, I mean, depending on how the terms are, your heavy cash flow, you get return to principal. Real estate's amazing because you get to special tax advantages. It usually can be acquired with leverage. You get 
you know, it hopefully grows. So there's there's so many benefits to real estate, but we've we've steered people away from real estate when their business over here is doing X, Y, or Z, and they're literally starving their business to do this dumb investment that someone else says. And when you actually model it, you're like, oh, this investment's getting you 300% cash flow, and you're starving your business over here to get 20%. Is the 20% investment a bad thing? Absolutely not. Is it the syndication fault? No, but it's for that person, it's not the right fit. So it goes back to, we have to have the self-awareness to say the difference between investment rate of return versus the investor rate of return. It all comes down to, is this the right fit for you? And is this the best aligned with where, again, going back to their ROR statement, is this the best aligned with where you want to go? I will say majority of people that do real estate syndication are way better off because they understand cash flow and because they're they're just outperforming other typical retirement strategies. And so as a result, they're double downing on that. But with a model, you can tell where you're vulnerable in. And I will say the one thing that I would I would call out to all my entrepreneurial and investor friends is a lot of times they are undervaluing their their main source of cash flow. And so we have to understand that if we if the measure is cash flow, we can literally measure every decision. And so some people think they're making the right decision, but they really should double down on how they got that money in the first place. Hmm, interesting. So one of the, the things that we haven't uh, mentioned here that I, I think is very relevant is return on time, right? And I think yeah. that that time probably factors into the different, uh, yeah. you know, options that you're saying, but, you know, how do you think about, okay, well, I could, I could uh, squirrel away all this money and, and save it and invest it, or I could, you know, invest some of it in an assistant or an employee yeah. that's going to give me 40 more hours of productive time per week. How do things like that and, and adding more time to your schedule, you know, factor into yeah. your model? Your concepts. I, I mean, that's that's a great question, and and it comes down to being really self aware with what you what what you really want. And normally, the reason why we get so clear with people is what most people want is that resource that they can't get back. Like so, someone asked me, "Would you trade places with Warren Buffett?" The answer would be no. Think about think about that. Think about how profound that is. I would not be willing to trade places with one of the richest men in the world. Why? Because of time. So. That is, I'm really glad you answered that or you asked that because it gives us perspective on what's really important. And what usually happens is when people realize what's really important, it, they start highlighting things that they actually want. And they also start highlighting all the things that they're doing that are not bringing them joy. And life, my friend, is way too short to do something that you're not in love with, that you're not be being fulfilled in. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, for business, it'll be funny because I don't want to ruin the question you're going to ask me at the end. But my question, the question, the way I'm going to answer your question is all based around time and about scalability and leverage and impact. And I'm a huge fan of investing in people and systems. And so, yeah, that that's a, I'm glad you asked that. And it's really like if we don't understand the value of return on time, then then we're going to chase things that are just not aligned with what we really want. Yeah, that's a big concept on my mind lately. And uh like looking at buying a, a bigger house with a you know a lawn that I'm going to have to mow, and we have people that mow now, and I don't want to deal with all that crap. And do I want to hire somebody and everything? Hire an assistant and and time is certainly big on my mind. And I would bet that given the choice, Warren Buffett would be more than happy to be flashed back to his 20s and give up all of his fantastic wealth if he had the option. He would probably take that deal and as well. And what what's cool is we could continue this thought experiment. I don't know if he would, but if he would, he would also he would 
if he lived the, the length of time that he's is now, he would end up being just as wealthy, if not more wealthier. So it's like, that is, again, all this stuff, it's, people don't get lucky. There's some people that are lucky that have money, but majority of people, like wealth has so much more to do with how you think and how you live than the money in your bank account. And Warren is doing what he loves and he's, and he's ultra concerned, like he's ultra, I'm free, I don't know necessarily the word to say, but he's like spot on with how he uses his time and it, it's pretty inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Caleb, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I, I'm, I'm glad you took said education because that purpose. would be the number one <laughs> that and and mentorship which i which i talk about in education is i've i've learned so much from people but if i couldn't answer mentors or education i would say people and systems but but very much people are are that thing that helped me live the life that i love living and help people that i love helping i would not be able to have the impact that we're having if it wasn't for people and so it was that switch on we can't build this thing just by saving every penny. I need to start investing in other people because they are my who's and my assets to helping me accomplish what I want. Nice. I love that. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Well, I mean, I, I, uh, it's, it's so funny. I, I would have said Bitcoin in two years ago, but I guess, I guess my little coin was like 21,000 and then it dropped like a rock and, and uh, so I, I would say I, I would say the worst investment I made, it, the common theme is anytime I was greedy and it really comes down because I'm a strong in business. It comes down to marketing schemes that I'm like, oh, like I want to I want to believe every word that you say. I sign it and I see that as an investment because we spent 20, 30, 40 thousand dollars on things that just don't don't give us the result. And I there was a lack of due diligence because of ego. So that's by far the worst investment. And then I haven't, when it comes to actual like stock investments and other things, I actually have done pretty well. Nice, nice. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? So when I, when I started Better Wealth, I started it with uh, two other people. And one of them, his name was Greg Helema. And he was like a second father to me. And, you know, the dream was always to start a business and do some incredible things. And in the process of starting Better Wealth, he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Oh, man. And so I walked through this journey with him, went to the cancer treatment center with him and just got to be present. And he kept on saying, Caleb, like intentional, like I, this cancer was the best thing that ever happened to him because he, he, re and he was already, he would make most fathers look lazy. He was already ultra intentional, but he's like, I've, I've realized and there's areas in my life that I'm double down. And when you know that you're going to die, which we're all going to die, by the way, but when you, you know that you're going to die, it makes you live differently. And so one of the last words that he told me is he said, Caleb, don't forget the reason why we started Better Well. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I, a lot of times I don't practice what I preach and I focus on the wrong metrics. And we got into business to make a difference. We got into business to really help people lean into what that means to live intentional. And yet he saw that I was that I was straying away. And so that that right there is probably going to be one of the most impactful, beneficial times and lessons that I've learned is stay true to yourself and and don't forget the reason why you started. Nice. 
Nice. Well, I'm sorry you had to learn it in that in that way. And uh, thank you for joining us today and bringing us all these lessons. And congratulations on all the success you've had so far. And it looks like there are great things coming down the road as well that you're making happen. It's not just happening to you. It's happening because of you. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to find the book, all that great stuff, your show, where can they track you down? Yeah, so we we have a podcast and we have a YouTube channel and we have a website. And the good thing is it's all named the same thing. So if you go to betterwealth.com, betterwealth.com, that's our website. You can find the book. And then obviously we have the Better Wealth YouTube channel and I have the Better Wealth podcast as well. And it was a true honor being on here. And I'm, I feel so, super grateful to have this have this dialogue and conversation with you. Hey, it's great to talk with you as well. And you know, you're you're a hardworking guy, right? We're talking on a on a Friday afternoon. You're about to get uh hammered with a major, major snowstorm out there in Denver. So I appreciate you uh not burning the midnight oil, but staying a little late for us on a Friday when when you could be uh preparing for a storm. So I acknowledge you uh for that and appreciate you joining us, bringing us these lessons. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show, helps us get higher in the algorithm and all that great stuff. If you do enjoy the show, I ask that you share the show with someone, bring them into the tribe, and uh, help us grow their wealth as well. Grow the tent, bring them in. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.